Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. So I'm Jeff Gracier. I'm the youth pastor here. Uh, and so I just hung out with the high schoolers. And some of you used to be high schoolers. And it's good to be with you. Good to see some familiar faces. But also good to see some of you who I don't know. And this is cool. I'm glad to be here with you guys and Kaya. Um, I'm praising the Lord. It, it's, it is really cool. It's, it feels like family. It feels like um, I think I have a lot of friends in here. So this is cool. Thanks for letting me be in here with you. This morning we're going to talk about uh, our quiet time. And I don't know about you, but this is something that I always need reminded of. It's always something that I need encouraged in. It's always something that, you know, I'm challenged by whenever anyone is, is preaching or just looking at quiet time. I know that's it's good for me. And I think that this was good for me, and I hope that it'll be good for you. I hope that the Lord will have his way with your quiet time in your heart. And in particular, the thing I think of when I think about uh, quiet times is sometimes, you know, someone will get up and they'll talk about what it needs to look like, right? Your quiet time needs to start at this time and you need to follow this system. And that's good. I think there's a place for that. Sometimes, though, I hear that message and I'm like, I'm losing. I, I'm failing, which I probably most of the time am. But what I hope to do this morning is rather than give you a formula or give you a checklist or a set of steps to follow in order to have a a quality quiet time, is I hope to just present some principles, maybe just some components of a quiet time, and you can glean and pull and just see what God has for your quiet time. Because I would guess that many of you, you have a good time with the Lord and His Word. And, And yet I think that we can be challenged still. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I don't know what a quiet time means. What are you talking about? Well, we're going to work through that. And, and hopefully you'll kind of discover what a devotion, a quiet time, a personal relationship with Jesus can look like this morning. I'm going to pray, though, and then we're going to talk about CPR. That's what we're going to do. We're going to give CPR to our quality time. We're going to resuscitate them a little bit. But let's pray. Father, thank you for letting me be here And uh, giving us your word. God, where would we we be without your word? I don't know where I'd be and and I, I don't know how I'd feel and I don't know what my life would look like. But God, I'm so thankful that your word is, is for me. And that, you know, I get to interact with the living God, and you challenge me, and, and you encourage me, and you correct me, and you're with me. You're with us. This morning, would we be able to just see this time for what it is, meeting with you, letting you uh, speak into our lives and into our hearts? God, help us to do that. <laughs> help us to to invite you in right now into our own uh, our hearts. And uh, God, have your way. Ultimately, Lord, please be glorified. Be honored in this time. Be lifted up because you and you alone are worthy and, you, and you're awesome and you're wonderful. God, you're powerful and you're close 
and you're so good to us. God, be lifted up in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to talk about CPR. Now, how many of you in like real life can do CPR? Like the, you know, okay, lots of hands. We, we talked about this in the high school class as well. And we discovered that we don't want guys like Mitch Medlin to give CPR if somebody falls out. He described this idea of, he's like, I'll suck your face if you pass out, Jeff. I'm like, that's not CPR. Wait, <laughs> please don't let Mitch give me CPR, right? Kind of funny, but that's not CPR. CPR is when, you know, there's, there's no life in the body and you've got to breathe and you've got to pump the heart, right? And you resuscitate someone's dead body. And, and, and maybe you can relate, but there are times where I often feel like my quiet time, my devotion, my devotional life with the Lord is dead. It's just lying there on the ground, kind of lifeless. And maybe I'm still going through the motions, but there's no heartbeat to it. There's no breath of, of God flowing into my life as I'm sitting there reading. Sometimes we struggle to connect with the Lord when, when we have this routine. It, can anybody relate? Yeah, you can raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's all of us. I think if we're honest, all of us at times, you know, our quiet time falls asleep. Well, I want to read a quote from A.W. Tozer. It's uh, from a book, Pursuing God, that I think is pretty cool. It's pretty, pretty accurate to, I think, what the problem is with our quiet time. If you can read along with me, he says, what doth hinder us? He's talking about this progress, this growth in our relationship with God. The answer usually given simply that we are cold will not explain all the facts. There's something more serious than coldness of heart. Something that may be back of that coldness and be the cause of its existence. What is it? What but the presence of a veil in our hearts. A veil not taken away as the first veil was, but which remains there still shutting out the light and hiding the face of God from us. It is the veil of our fleshly fallen nature living on, unjudged within us, uncrucified and unrepudiated. It is the close woven veil of the self-life, which we have never truly acknowledged, of which we have been secretly ashamed, and which for these reasons we have never brought to the judgment of the cross. It is not too mysterious, this opaque veil, nor is it hard to identify We have but to look in our own hearts, and we shall see it there, sown and patched and repaired it may be, but there nevertheless, an enemy to our lives and an effective block to our spiritual progress. As we consider CPR, the first letter, C, is going to stand for confession unto thankfulness. Confession unto thankfulness. And I think what Tozier is identifying here is that Within each of us is two, two men, the new man and the old man. The old man being our flesh, being our old nature. And it is that old nature that stunts us from moving forward in faith, from connecting to God's word and being moved by uh, the spirit of God. It's that old man that takes up space in that, in that time with the Lord. And he's the one that says, well... You know, you could go to bed early and then wake up fresh for your quiet time. But, you know, 
You could also whatever. Or you could, you know, this afternoon, you could set aside some time because you do have that downtime there. You could get the Bible open and connect with the Lord, but you got a lot going on. You're busy. Or, you know, before you go to sleep, you could, but it's that flesh that's always giving excuses. He's always interrupting, and he's got great excuses, right? You and I, we have really, really good excuses for not getting honest and vulnerable before the Lord, don't we? What we need, I believe, is confession. And, and I don't mean confession uh, to every individual sin that we commit, as I think that would take up all day of every day, right? Is there a place for confessing specific sin? I think most certainly. But I think what, what we're looking at here is uh, considering and um, receiving this idea of confessing our absolute need for the Lord. In a declaration of, I confess that I have a flesh and it's in the way. So look here with with me at Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Paul says it this way. He lays this out. He says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, what I want to do, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. So he's, he's laying out here, there's the things he wants to do that he knows he should do, and then the things that he knows he shouldn't do. For that which I do, I allow not. For that I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. It kind of sounds like I'm like speaking in riddles. Just hang with me here. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. In other words, if, if I do what I know I'm not supposed to do, I know then that there is something I'm not supposed to do. That there is a standard between good and evil, Right? Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Right? He's saying, I do the opposite of what I know I'm supposed to do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Every time we want to come to the Lord, every time we want to serve in ministry, every time we know we want to walk in obedience to something he's called us to, there is always present in that mind, in that heart of ours, opposition to it, right? Maybe it's laziness, like, oh, I'm just not going to do it. But maybe it's I'm going to do this from my own, uh, my, for my own purposes. Like, this will benefit me. Like, this will make me look good. Like, this will impress that person, right? There's always that flesh present there. He says, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Okay, I think you're tracking. I think you understand it. There's good and there's bad. And they both exist right here. But here's what he says. This is the confession that has to exist in our devotional life, in our quiet time. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, wretched man that I am. He acknowledges, I'm wretched. I'm not a good enough kid. I'm not a good enough student. I'm not a good enough parent. I'm not a good enough friend. I'm not a good enough servant to the Lord. I'm not a good enough whatever. I'm wretched. My righteousness is not righteous. 
I'm not good enough. And he says, this is important, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? So he looks at the problem and then he looks for the solution in that confession, right? God already knows your weakness. He knows your wretchedness. The question we have to ask ourselves is, do I truly recognize it? Like, I know that I convince myself, and maybe you do too, that because I'm not off doing things that are abominable, that are just obviously wrong, I subtly, my heart subtly convinces me, well, you're good. You're good. And in one sense, yeah, that is good that I'm not doing those things. But in another sense, maybe we convince ourselves that we're not wretched. Right? Okay, so that's maybe this, this self-righteous flesh that says, no, I'm good. I'm good enough. But maybe you're here and you're thinking, no, I know I'm wretched. I know how bad I am. Jeff, you don't have to tell me twice. I know just how despicable, how worthless, how utterly bad that I am. Okay, the flesh is still your enemy. Right? So, is it hard to hate yourself? For some of you, you would say, no, it's not hard to hate myself. To which I'd say, well, is it hard to receive God's grace and love? And you might say, yeah, it is. It's hard to receive God's grace and love. Well, why is that? Because if you see how truly wretched you are, your flesh is, well, then you ask the question, who shall deliver me from, from this body of death? And then in comes the Savior. And then your eyes aren't on you and how bad you are and you're in this pit of self-misery and self-hate. Now if you get your eyes off that and you look to the Savior, he's offering you forgiveness and his righteousness. And in fact, he took all of the wrath of God in your place. And not only offers atonement for your sin, not only offers you forgiveness and you're good and you get to go to heaven, but beyond that, he gives himself to you to be with you daily, to be with you right now, to be with you when things are hard, to be with you when you really mess up. He's with you. And that acknowledgement of, wow, wait, 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 wait. I can take my eyes off of me and I can look at him in Romans 7 25 Paul says I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh the law of sin there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, here's what he did. He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. In other words, my sin, my wretchedness, has been defeated. It's buried. It's put away. In Christ. So you, you acknowledge it, you confess your need, and you look to Christ. 
And while I'm prone to sinfulness because of my flesh, I always have the choice to rebel, to disregard God and his spirit's leading and what he says in his word and the love and grace he offers as a good father. While I have that available to me, when I mess up, I'm not my sin. I'm not my sin. I'm not trapped in it. I'm not bound by it. I'm not condemned by it. I'm free from it. And consider that truly free people, if you're truly free, they don't stand around fighting for their rights or reminiscing and sulking over the days they were in bondage. They don't spend time just thinking, woe is me. Truly liberated people celebrate the liberator. We're free. And then you can sing loud like you guys do in here. And you can rejoice with a pure heart just how good God is. So we acknowledge and we confess our insufficiency and weakness because we know who our God is. Psalm 86 verse 5 says, For thou, Lord, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. And it's who God is that, and what God has done that allows us to, to take our eyes off ourselves, And that produces thankfulness. And it produces praise and worship. And it produces a passion. Right? So here's your key point. This is the really long key point I mentioned. Thankfulness comes from an understanding of how truly unworthy we are of God's goodness toward us. And then receiving the goodness... He extends to us through his son and his word. Does that all make sense? Praise the Lord. Are they wrestling up there? Are they? Like, that's not uh, good ground, is it? <laughs> I can see why it, like, all right, guys, ministry activity, we're going to wrestle them. Okay, so C, confession unto thankfulness. Do you have confession in your quiet time? Is there honesty of your state? And then is there thankfulness? Because you got to get to that place where you're thankful because it's with that thankful posture. Your heart is postured properly. The attitude is set. You're thankful and you can now come boldly before the throne of God, unburdened by our sin. Right? You could say, I see my sin for what it is. I've confessed it and I know and acknowledge and believe that you've taken care of it. You've imputed your righteousness unto me. And so now, God, here I am. Lead me how you will. I think one component is prayer. Prayer unto listening. Now prayer, what I mean by that is conversation with God. Okay, here's, here's some verses that describe an invitation that God is extending to each of us today and tomorrow and in life in general. This invitation is Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I love that. I, I love how that's laid out for us. He's knocking. He's there. He's present. And he wants in. He says, if you'll let me in, 
we'll have a good time together. Another angle or way of looking at this invitation is John chapter 15, verses 4 through 8. You're probably familiar with the passage. It says, abide in me. Jesus says, abide in me, dwell, live in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. You got this idea of abiding with the Lord, living with the Lord. His, he's in you, you're in him, and out of that comes fruit. Right? You can imagine, you know, you have your quiet time, and what do you get from that? What happens from that? Well, the fruit of the Spirit. You're walking with the Lord, and you're touched by Him in your heart, and now you can walk with peace. You can walk with love. You can have gentleness. I know this. If you, you know, when you have small children, you need that gentleness. You need that quiet time, because otherwise they're screaming at you, and they're crying all through the night, and you're like, Lord, I need your Spirit, right? You need that for daily living, for anything that you're going through. You need God to make you fruitful, and that happens from that abiding. He says in verse 6, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. He says, If ye abide in me, here it is, and my words abide in you, my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. So responding to this invitation to be with God in that quiet time, the devotional life, looks like, it looks like coming to him, responding to the invitation, yes, let's have fellowship. Yes, I want this time with you, God. I want to abide in you, and I want your word to abide in me. And then it looks like you got to pour your heart out to the Lord. It looks like, being honest about what you got going on currently, presently in your daily life. Psalm 62 verse 8 is probably my favorite verse of all time, I think. I think it is. It says, trust in him at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Like the idea that God wants all that's in there to be poured out before him. That's so vulnerable and difficult and uncomfortable, right? To be honest is hard, isn't it? I mean, nobody wants to just tell all their deepest, darkest secrets, do you? If you do, you're kind of a weirdo, right? Nobody likes that. It's uncomfortable, and yet God says, hey, pour it out. That's the invitation. He's knocking. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, come on. You want something to eat, something to drink? And he's like, yeah, go ahead and pour out your heart. But isn't it good when you do? God wants you to cast your care and pour out your thoughts and your heart to him. And here's a key insight. Okay, counseling insight. I've learned all the counseling things that I know from guys like Brandon and John and wise counselors. Here's what I know. Good counselors are good listeners. Good counselors are good listeners. So God is listening to you as you're pouring out your guts before him. And what does good listening look like? 
It looks like being present. I'll tell you this. There have been times in my life where my heart's burdened, and sometimes I don't even know it. Sometimes I don't know it. Sometimes I'm just going through the motions of life or whatever, and then, and then I come to this opportunity to, to pray. And then as I begin to pray, and I begin to unburden myself, it's like God's like, how about that? And he like pokes it. And then it just like unloads. I remember, uh, how many of you, you know, you're driving in your car and you pray by yourself out loud. Anybody do that? Isn't that awkward? <laughs> Maybe not, but, but do you remember the first time you did it? No, that was awkward, right? Okay, to, to pray out loud by yourself is kind of this unusual thing, but I think it's a really, really good thing. I remember one of those times, I remember being in high school and, and mustering up the courage. I'm like, I'm going to pray out loud, or I'm going to sing praise out loud, loudly in my car by myself. And then you do it, and all of a sudden you're talking with the Lord. Right. I remember one time I was in a van I owned. I'm driving and there was some family stuff that I had going on and that was heavy on my heart. And, you know, I'm, it's like pretty serious to me. You know, I'm a 19, 20 year old guy and and God's just letting me feel things, maybe even for the first time about my parents and about just life stuff. Life is hard. And relationships are hard, and, and, and I'm burdened heavy, and I just start praying. I'm in my van. I remember I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden, I'm just weeping, blubbering out this prayer. And I'm begging God, God, you've got to, you've got to deliver on this issue. If you don't, it's not going to happen. God, I need you. I need you to, to, to intercede, to move on my behalf in this situation with this family member. Because if you don't, it's desperate. And I feel desperate. And I feel heavy. And God, you got to take this. Because I don't know where else to put it. I don't know what else to do with it. Please, here is my heart. Here's my situation. Fast forward like five or six years. And God delivered in a way that... It only, like, I was praying for my mom. I'll just share. Because he did answer the prayer. So I'm praying about my mom in this situation. And, and I'm begging God to repair relationship between me and my mom. And as I, you know, I'm trying to work through it with mom, and it's just not working. And I feel like, man... This hurts. It's heavy. Five or six years later, we're in Bible study. We start a Bible study um, at the house and my parents and a couple neighbors. And we're just sitting there and in the book 2 Corinthians. And we're just reading through this portion of scripture. Just kind of a normal thing. And I, out of nowhere, she's like, Jeff, I'm so sorry for this thing that we were working through. I'm like, what? Where did that come from? Where did it come from? It came from, we were having devotional time in the Word of God, 
and she was soft and sensitive to, to respond to God's word. And I had cried out and begged God and I gave him the burdens of my heart. And that has to be present in, in our quiet time, being honest and being you know, highly emotional if you need to. And yet that's not all of it. So good counselors are good listeners. And so the good counselor will listen to you pour out your heart. But maybe you're like, I don't have all that going on in my heart right now. Praise the Lord. You know, praise the Lord. Here's what else prayer looks like. You're reading your, your Bible and you circle that phrase right there. Mm. And then you're reading, ooh, got to underline that. I'm underlining that verse. Mm, I'm highlighting this passage. Wow, Lord. That's it. Oh, this word? What is that? I'm looking it up. This word means strongs. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> Commenting. Wow, this is just like work. This is just like my friend. Oh, man, yeah, this I relate to this. Right? Oh, what? God, what does this mean? Why did you do it that way? What happened here? And it's those little interactions with the text. I have questions in my Bible that I've written down in the margins and God still hasn't answered them. And that's a-okay. Because I also have questions in the margins of my Bible that as I've read and as I've learned and as I've listened to the preaching and teaching of God's word, he, I'm, like we're open there and I'm like, hey, here's a question. And then Sam says a thing and I'm like, holy moly, like there it is. Wow, thanks, Lord, you answered that question. But all those interactions with your Bible are your prayer. That is you engaging with God. And then there will come a time when you're in there and he's like, poke. And the floods are coming. And that's okay. That's good. Let it all out, man. The key point is all of these interactions with the Bible are processes by which you are able to meditate and pray through scriptures to through scripture unto a place of hearing and being led by the Spirit of God. Big old key points there. So maybe it looks like, you know, you, you do wake up and you do read the Bible, but you read it and then you move on, right? You read it. You're like, okay, well, Lord, maybe even pour your heart out. You're like, God, I need, I need you now. I'm, I'm in a desperate cause. I'm in a desperate situation, rather, and I've got this big issue, and God, here it is. And you lay out your heart, and you're reading, and then you're like, all right, thanks, Lord. And he's a good counselor. He was listening, right? But what if counseling, so imagine counseling, you know, you're meeting with your Bible study leader, you're in a Bible study context, and Okay, so Bible, studies, Bible study leaders, check this out. So you're, you're there, you're leading, and then somebody's like, hey, can you help me with this thing or that thing? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they come up, and they pour out their heart. And what are you doing? You're locked in. You're like, oh, wow, yeah, yeah, I'm here. And you're giving the, like, the head nod, like, mm, yeah. And they pour it out, and they're like, oh, thanks. I'll see you in a couple weeks. <laughs> what? 
I mean, that was good, but we only got halfway there. So here's another key insight. Good counselees are good listeners. You have a good counselor who's listening to you pour your heart out, but you must be a good counselee. You've got to be a person who's willing and ready and eager to listen to what does God have to say in response to you pouring your heart out. And it may be just as simple as I'm with you. I'm here and I hear you. Sometimes that's all you need. But we can't just pour out and then move on. We've got to allow space for God to respond. And that does happen when you're going through and annotating scripture, right? It takes time to do that. You are slowing down, right? And as you're circling, he's going to respond, right? As you're praying and meeting with him, that's where you're going to see his response. Good counselees are good listeners. Psalm 119 verse 24 tells us, David says, Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. As you read and consider the scriptures in your quiet time, let him counsel you. Let him speak to you. You must determine to hear and listen to God's word. Speak specifically into your heart. You got to look for it. You got to wait for it. You have to expect it. I like this picture that Jesus gives us in Luke 24, verses 29 to 36. This is pretty cool. Read this with me. It says, but they constrained him, Jesus. The disciples constrained Jesus, saying, abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with him. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with him, here's what Jesus does. He sits down. He's going to sup with him. He took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. It's beautiful. Right? He's feeding them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures. You're in that quiet time. Oh, my heart's burning. Yeah, that's exactly what I need. That's exactly how the Lord is leading. Oh, that hurts. Oh, wow, he's confronting me here. Oh, this is uncomfortable. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together. And them that were with them saying, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. I like that they're, they're listening to Jesus speak. And then it's like the light turns on. Oh, wow. And then I like that he disappears. I don't know why he did. He's, he had business to do, right? He had to go meet you at your quiet time, right? But then he appears, and he's with them. He's in the midst. He's in your midst when you're in his scripture. He says, peace be unto you. And they received his word, right? They're listening. So for us, here's the admonition. Be a good friend and listen to Christ in his word. When he's speaking, be a good friend and listen. Be a humble servant and receive instruction from your Lord. Be a faithful believer and trust what Christ is telling you and leading you through. Be a good child and listen to your father. Right? However you need to, whatever angle and perspective you need to to surrender, do that. Hear from God. C is confession unto thankfulness. P is prayer unto listening. 
And then R is repentance unto obedience. So you've confessed your need to God and received his goodness towards you through Jesus Christ unto thankfulness. You have this thankful heart and you've prayed and you poured out the issues of your heart before him. You emptied yourself of your cares. You gave them to him so that you can then listen to his voice and he's speaking and leading you. And then we must truly, genuinely submit and turn. Repentance is to turn from our ideas from our plans, from our opinions, from our evil thoughts, from our lusts, from our ambitions, from our pursuits, unto full obedience to his word. Everyone in the room, we all have these ideas and we all have opinions. Even, even those of us who say we're real easygoing, there's like three things that we really care about, okay? Even those things have to be surrendered and repented of when God calls you to go this way. You and I have to prepare our hearts. We have to set our hearts, determine in our hearts, fix our hearts to repent and obey whenever he says whatever he says. And if that's not present, we're missing it. He's not our Lord. He's not. We're not. We're not in proper relationship with him. We don't get to just turn our back on what he says. Because in turning our back on what he says, we're turning our back on him. And then as we turn our back on him and we refuse to obey and submit, then what we're doing is we're saying this veil of our fleshly nature is it's okay to be here. You know, I'll, I'll obey later. I'll, I'll get, I'll do that. I'll surrender. I'll, I'll get on fire for the Lord. I'll, I'll really plug in later. I will. And then that veil covers up. And then a week or two down the road, we're like, I don't really know if I have much of a relationship with God. Where are you, God? What do you want from me? What do you want me to do? Right? And that's a miserable place to be. James 1, says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Again, we can't deceive ourselves in thinking it's profitable or acceptable to consider what God says to us and then turn our backs on it. That can't be okay. Yesterday, I uh, went for a run, came home, took a shower. It's like, I probably need to trim my beard if I'm going to go to church tomorrow. So I don't know if you have this experience, but if you take a shower and then try to trim your beard, the mirror is fogged up, right? Okay, so I'm standing before the mirror and I try to wipe it off. I don't know why I wasn't thinking, but I didn't turn the light on. 
So there's natural light. There's like daylight in there, but it's like not very well lit. And I grab the beard trimmer and I'm like, I'm like, wait a second. I just shaved my sideburn off. (laughs) No, what have I done? And so I'm like, well, I got to do the other one. So I start doing the other one. And hopefully with this like cool microphone on and you can't tell really, but there was a very straight and harsh line right here. So I'm like looking up, like, what time does sports clip close? Oh, no. <laughs> Ten minutes. This is bad. So, so I think, well, maybe I'll just play it off. Maybe it doesn't look as bad as I thought. So I go out to the kitchen. I'm like, Kylie, what do you think? And she's like, oh. I'm like, oh, no. That means it's bad. So I'm like, well, I got to just... Yes, it is what it is. So, good thing there's grace, you know. And then, and then we had the idea. Maybe I could like, like soften the line a little bit. Like I'll fade it a little bit. And I tried. Okay, I'm a, I'm gonna get a haircut this week. But I tried to to soften that line a little bit because I looked in the mirror and I said, "That's a little off." I better do something about that. I better do something about that. Even if it's uncomfortable, because cutting your own hair is difficult. Cutting your own hair when you're under a lot of pressure because you've got to be ready by tomorrow morning is like super stressful. And then the mirror is like fogging back up and it's like not good. But we got to do it, right? We got to come before his word and look into the mirror and say, all right. Guess I'm going to fade my sideburn. And consider that Christ is with us. When he asks you to, to do, be, believe, say, repent of whatever it is, he's with us. The Christ who showed us the ultimate example of obedience Saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He it is that is with us unto the death and putting away of our old man, and with us unto the putting on of the new man, and with us out the door of our homes to our schools and to our jobs to bring the light, the mercy, And the truth of Jesus Christ, our Lord, to the lost. He it is that wants to be with you as you repent from whatever it is. And with you into purpose. Into functionality. Into fruitfulness. There's nothing better than that. Time's up. All right. (laughs) There's nothing better than that. Whatever you're studying in school to become, it's not better than that. Whatever job you currently have, and hopefully you feel fulfilled and you enjoy it. It's it's not better than being used by God. And being used by God starts with meeting with God. Right? So here's your last key point. Trust and obey. 
For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sins we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. We come before him, we confess, we pour out, and we pray, and we repent. It's simple. It's simple. Will you do that today? So wherever you're at, whatever you need, whatever you got going on, um, if the praise man can, can come forward and can lead us in a song, there's going to be leaders, Bible study leaders, counselors, people who want to help you, who want to help you navigate through whatever is going on, whatever the Lord has pressed upon your heart. They want to pray with you. Will you be honest and humble and get that help to get that accountability, to get that friendship? Here in a second, this will be time for you to do that, to respond. Does that make sense? Can I pray for you? Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you, God, for your word. Again, thank you for your spirit and thank you for your body that you've given us Everything and and then some. You've given us everything that we need to walk with you victoriously, to be and to feel successful, to feel fulfilled, to be used by you. God, you've given us everything that we need. And you're with us. And that's so good. We just want to be thankful for that. Thankful that you're with us. God, we love you. Would, you. would you prick hearts, even now, to be humble, to respond to your word? Help us, allow us to invite you in. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, For service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.